Welcome along to the march from the Rookery End podcast. We are again in the bowels of the Rookery End stand. We are three lifelong Watford fans, season ticket holders of Rookery End, and these podcasts are our take on life as Watford. My name is John. A man is happier than Richard Shaw with access to a million decibel PA system without any council restrictions. <laughs> um, uh, is that thank you, Mike? Yeah. A man who pedals pessimism and passion like no other Watford fan. Oh, and of course, uh, Jason, the man who puts old into golden boys. Yeah, thanks. I'm never, I'm never going to live that down, am I? Well, you're the oldest. You're always, I, I always will be. You always yeah. will be. Uh, coming up on this month's podcast, uh, when we're going to look ahead to the rest of the season, the good or maybe the bad, uh, we're going to catch up with uh, our friend uh, on the podcast, Nick Cox, former head of Watford Academy, now head of Academy at Sheffield United. Slumming it up north. Slumming it up north. Uh, but with good hair. We caught up with him uh, when the Watford under-18s played at Vickers Road the other week. Plus, we'll be uh, getting Jason's thoughts on uh, what is the best starting 11 for Watford at this point in the season and uh, well we're very excited after the game here we're ahead of the Watford home game against Barnsley we'll be chatting to Gabrielle Angela and of course we'll ask him if it's Angela 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 Jason Angela we'll ask him if he remembers uh, Brett Angel slash Brett Angle having the same uh, same issue back in the day (laughs) a podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end so here we are man we stand at Vicarage Road, the sun is shining. Yeah, for the first time it feels like this season, both metaphorically and, um, what's the word? Meteorologically. Meteorologically, <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, we are, we've got 12 games left of the, this 2013-2014 season. We're 11th. Yeah. We've won 11, drawn 12 and lost 11 with eight busts in our column of goal difference. Yeah. Ten points off the playoffs. Yeah. Are you... We've just come off the back of a, a 2-1 loss away at lower league or lower division Barnsley. No, yeah, we've played Doncaster. Lower division yeah. Doncaster. Are you ready for season to end, Mike? Well, I kind of am, really. Yeah, sort of. I can't remember if I said this on the last podcast, but I'm almost annoyed by looking at our kit now. <laughs> it's sort of. It's actually quite a nice shirt. I'm going to like it, but I'm annoyed at looking at it because it sort of represents this season which has been so I think frustrating is the only way I can put it and it's been quite tiring because we've all been torn one way or the other there's been there have been positives you know the season started well we, we, we felt we'd added to the squad we've kind of always been just about in touching distance of, of the playoffs just about so there's always been a chance um, the East Town's being built so there's been, there has been positive but of course have been outweighed by great swathes of, of dark clouds obviously there's the poor form leading up to Zola's departure Zola's departure itself um, a lot of the players haven't performed and then obviously the, the slow turning around of results and, and the change in, in style of football that we're, we're now seeing under Soninho so as a Watford fan I just feel exhausted really and people have been people tend to be either very up and very down and I guess there still be people out there thinking we can make the playoffs I mean well, you did, I, yeah, we are, we're 10 points off the playoffs which would mean we would have to win four more games than Reading who are currently in that, that yeah. that's not we'd, we'd, have to, we'd have to start winning away to start let's be honest oh, we, we always talk about winning your home games drawing your away games yeah. we're now at that point where drawing your away games isn't going to be enough we've got a great home record at the moment yeah last five the away record is, is very disappointing we haven't had a score against Jova this season a 0-0 draw down there 2-1 defeat against Dogs. I mean, stupid things like Tuesday's game summed it up. Really getting sent off yeah. for being petulant. Yeah. A, a bad referee decision. It's things like that. You know, the team aren't playing. We, we, we can see them at home and they're not playing that badly and they're putting up. I mean, they're making great starts at places like Forest and Man City, but then it's stupid things that seem to be letting us down. Yeah. It feels like it's been half a performance, really, for the, for the whole season. We've, there's been enough to get people sort of um, get their appetites wetted, but there hasn't been like a main course, and there certainly doesn't look like there's going to be any dessert. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I'm tired, to be honest, and I'm, I'm ready. I just almost want to start building again. I'm, I'm eager to, to get it over and done with and, and get going again. And that, I think that's, that's what concerns me most is, is when are we going to start building again? Are we in a position at the moment that we can start building again? Are we going to get the players that have come in and not performed the likes of Fabrini and Erene and Acuna are they going to come back to Watford in the summer and we're going to have to start with them over again are we going to get performances out of them this time are we going to be able to hang on to the likes of Tozo who's come in and played really well uh, yeah, what, what happens up front we need, we need more we've got Ian Forestieri and a couple of lone players is, is that enough for the strike force well, next season 
Well, let's say, Jason, we've got, we've got 12 games there. What do you want to see happen for the last 12 games of the season? The same as what I said in a, in a previous podcast, in a, I want to see us go on a good run. Where that leads us might just lead us to, to mid-table mediocrity anyway. My, uh, everyone else above us might do the same thing. But I want to see us finish well so that we can take that into the next season. No, I don't know what's going on a good run. I've just had a week in America and I definitely need to go on a very long run <laughs> to, uh, to take off some of this weight. But yeah, what I'd like to see is, is, is consistency and I think that, that really is what Jace is saying. But decent, a set of sides, decent performances consistently from, from players within it. You know, just something that feels like we're, we are hard to beat at home but we want to transform that to a way as well. And just, just a decent run of form where we... Just a bit of consistency and that way people can sort of get go into the summer looking forward to it. I think the big question is what's going to happen in summer like Jay says will those loanees come back or will they be shipped out and of course will we'll be, will we be doing the same thing again the, the, and the answer probably is yes we'll see a lot of new faces come in again because that's how the Potsos operate and we've just got to hope that, that, that it, it knits together better, better this time and, it, and looking forward again is Danino going to be here this time next year if we have a, a bad start this will be the third season under the Potsos and if we look like we're not challenging it was very clear very quickly we weren't going to be challenging at the top this year um, and if that happens is Toninho going to be is he going to be under pressure so definitely we'll definitely see player change are we likely to see manager, manager change as well so I mean there is a suggestion that Toninho is only here to, to see out this season and make sure we stay up anyway just to, just in to stop the rot and there will be another change in the summer we don't know well, the, one thing, the one thing I'd like to see happen this season we're going, streaking. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to talk, we're going to go, you'll hear us, uh, Mike and I, at the youth, uh, FA Cup youth game, I uh, tend to Nick Cox in a bit, um, but there was the, the YouTube video, and actually while we were there, we, we saw Nick chatting to, uh, to Luke O'Neill, yeah. I'd like to see the old Watford thing, where two games out, we're not going up, we're yeah. not going out, let's stick up those youth boys on, yeah, I to think really give them a, that, a little bit of experience, that means that actually showing there is that sort of love for Watford youth that's yeah, and that thing's still there, that thing that we've, we've talked time and time again about on the podcast about bringing youth through, um, and I think not only for, for you John, but I think for a lot of Watford supporters that will make them happy as well, because it'll, you know, you, you get, get that connection which just hasn't been there this year with, with, with this Watford side, it just, for whatever reason, there hasn't been the same connection as there was last year, and I think seeing some of those kids, Luke O'Neill is someone who's been in and around the, um, in and around the first team, so it'd be great to see him um, start, and obviously if, we, if he does get a game, we need to ask Mitre if they can produce a sort of tennis ball size football <laughs> to use in the game, and, uh, and we'll, uh, we should want to victory. From the rookery end. Uh, we've had a few FDRE podcasts focusing on the Watford youth team. It's something that we and many Watford fans are really passionate about. It is, yeah. Uh, it's well documented that uh, we've bought through many good youngsters in the past, and we've used these youngsters in the past in our first team. We, we talked about reaching that magical 50 mark from the academy back a couple of seasons ago, wasn't it, when we reached that, reached that target. And we were still using them under the Potso regime. And we know the Potso is all about youth. It's going to work out differently, I'd imagine, in the future. But we will still be bringing, bringing the youth through. We saw last season, I think we used them like eight players uh, from the youth team. And these players, if they're good enough to get in the first eleven, they're going to be used, and that's great. When people talk about the, the Potso regime and they say that it's bad for football, it's actually rubbish. Look at what's happening in Cholton. That's where it goes wrong, yeah? That, that's that's the, the, the dark side of having this multi-team investment, bringing in lots of foreign players. What we've got here, we've got a, a good blend. We're still looking at, uh, at the moment, the likes of Sean Murray, Lloyd Doyley, local youth team uh, graduates are coming and still getting in the side today. You've got Bond playing when Almunia's not fit. Who knows what happens with the goalkeeper position next season. Almunia's getting on, as we all are. Um, <laughs> great opportunity to, for, for Bond to come in and make that place his own. So there's no, certainly no sort of sweeping get rid of. With our history and our continued use, the use of the youth policy, we still stand out as one of the, the, the better sides, better clubs for de- developing youth in the football league. So when the under-18 scholars were in action at Vickers Road this month, Mike and I went along to have a watch and to chat to former Watford Academy boss, Nick Cox. Uh, we're here at the FA Youth Cup fifth round. Fifth round, Watford against Liverpool. Half time. Uh, Liverpool already had one nil. Not bad looking team, aren't they? No, they look decent. I think right from the get go, they've uh, they've got the ball around. They look very confident, very strong. 
Watford have uh, created some decent chances, but I think Liverpool have, have carved the more likely goal-scoring uh, opportunities. They look good. They look good. Uh, we're waiting to speak to uh, Nick Cox, who's currently speaking to Luke O'Neill. So we're going to shuffle over uh, and have uh, a chat to our friend, friend of the podcast. Yes, indeed. Nick Cox. Making his fourth appearance yes. uh, on Tom Nooker End, uh, only second behind Lloyd Doyley, um, is uh, Luke Cox, now the uh, head of uh, Academy at Sheffield United, but former head of Academy at Watford. How long for? Uh, head of Academy, I think, for two years, but 12 years in total in various capacities, including Harry the Horn. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a lot previously about EP, EPPP. Yep. It was going to be the of football, some said. Yeah, well, yeah. Is, is, it, is it dying yet? Um, the jury's out. It remains to be seen. It's not. Okay. Not all clubs have been audited, and it will take a little bit of time to work out where we're at. Definitely, some smaller clubs have folded. Well, their academies have folded as a result. How much it's improved the system? Time will tell. You know, developing kids is a long, drawn-out process that we won't know for years. But I know that the lads here are being audited today. The auditors are in, so all right. they're under so a bit of pressure it. for the next four or five days, I think. So we'll see how they get on. So we'll come back to that. But just while we're talking about the success of Triple P, we've read in a couple of places about Premier League 2 and this sort of thing's being mooted and, and changing to an under 23 league, is that right? So the fact that these sort of stories are coming out, is that an indication that it's not perhaps going the way that people expected or hoped? Or, or what? I think they're, they're desperate to find something to bridge the gap between the youth team and first team football because a, a Premier League club, it's really difficult for kids to get a game because there's such an influx of foreign players which is a good or bad thing, it's just a thing, isn't it? Um, and they attempted, obviously starting last year, an under-21s league, and they were going to try and make that kind of showcase games at people's stadiums and give kids a real experience of what it might be like, kind of bridge the gap. And it hasn't worked, so I think they're going back to the drawing board and maybe an under-23 league that happens at 3 o'clock on a Saturday, um, televised with a, a little bit more kind of glitz and glamour around it. Just to try and find something that, that helps kids um, you know, especially going towards first team football. I think what people would really like, not necessarily me, but I think what Premier League management would really like would be feeder clubs within the league system like they would do in Spain. But I can't ever really see that happening. So the challenge is to find something that's equally as competitive that, that kind of helps the kids. I read that they were thinking about maybe getting PL2, Premier League 2 clubs playing the Capital One Cup, that sort of thing. It all sounds a bit bonkers to me. But today we're speaking at the Watford-Liverpool FA Youth Cup fifth round. Watford Trail League 1-0 at the moment. They're going to turn it around though. We heard it there from Luke O'Neill a minute ago. He said we're going to spin it around, I think, as a play. So looking forward to that. And obviously we talk about Watford a little bit. We were at the Birmingham game the other day and we sort of happened to look over at the sideline. There was Tommy Hoban, Sean Murray, and I think it might have been Luke warming up. And yeah. Yeah, that's a little reminder that despite all the sort of chaos is the wrong word but everything that changes um, has been changing at Watford there is still that sort of beating heart of, of youth coming through now you're away from Watford can you tell us a little bit about those guys as boys at the academy what, you, know, you saw them grow so they all would have had a different journeys really so Sean very local lad, is he Abbott's language? Um, well, Sean and Luke really have got similar stories. Here from incredibly young ages, Luke five, Sean I think maybe seven or eight, um, went right through the system. Sean chose to go to Harefield, Luke chose not to go to Harefield, um, but both obviously got their opportunities to gain professional contracts in the end, and I think that's, um, kids take different ways to get to the end point, and there's no set route, is there? Um, Sean obviously exploded onto the scene through the FA Youth Cup. He made his, F, uh, his youth team debut as under 16, away to Hartlepool. We scored, he scored two and we won two nil. Went on to play Liverpool in the following round, and you know, and there's all sorts of YouTube footage of Sean scoring free kick at Fulham and goals against Chelsea. So the Youth Cup was a real platform for him, and he made his debut quite young. Um, Luke obviously been on the bench now, hasn't he? Yesterday, mm-hmm. um, fingers crossed that's going to happen before the end of the season. Eh? With those boys, I mean, any of them like that, with Tommy and Jonathan Bond, when you saw them at those tender young ages, do you think, yeah, you're more likely than the others? I think it would be really easy to stand there and say, yeah, of course we did. Um, but I think the real answer is no. You can see the kids have got a quality that you think might take them all the way. But there's plenty of kids that you thought might go all the way and didn't, and there's kids that you thought wouldn't 
and did. So Adam Thompson, when we had a good youth cup run, couldn't get in the team. And a year later, he played 12 games in the first team. So he kind of missed the youth cup experience out altogether. Kids um, just develop at different rates. But what I would say is I think there's certain things that all those players have in common, and that is... Um, attitude, I know that sounds a bit cliched and boring, but they all had unbelievable attitude. They all wanted to practice. We've just been listening to Luke chat, haven't we? Even now, he just wants to practice. Sean just wanted to be at Power League if he wasn't at training or playing Gaelic football, he'd be out practicing all the time. And that would be common with any kid that gets in the first team. And then the other big one for me is a bit of bottle to be able to handle a night like tonight. So it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you can't then deliver it under pressure when it really matters, then you haven't got a chance. And I think those kids have got a bit of a confidence or a swagger or an inner belief that means that on a big night like tonight they can deliver what's needed when, when they need to. With a night like tonight, we're playing Liverpool youth team. Yeah. If if they beat the Liverpool youth team, is it like the Watford first team beating the Liverpool first team or yeah, absolutely. There's, there's it's an unlevel playing field at youth level as much as it is in at senior level. So I was just trying to explain there that the barring one player in the Watford youth team now tonight, uh, the young Josh, Josh Doherty, who came over from Ireland at 16, the, the rest of the kids are genuine homegrown talent. And they are born in Hemel and Bushy and Abbott Langley. The Liverpool team will have come from all over the country and potentially all over Europe. The Watford boys will be earning £90 a week and the Liverpool boys will be earning up to thousands of pounds a week. Um, and they'll have been signed for big money and they've not cobbled together it's a good disrespectful not cobbled together we've been working with some of those lads um, since they were eight and nine um, but very much limited resources so really tonight we shouldn't have a chance but football's football isn't it and uh, we have got a chance and fingers crossed we'll turn it around one last question Nick you can go back and watch the football that you've travelled 400 miles to come and see <laughs> um, you working now at Sheffield United, sort of similar to Watford in terms of where they are currently in the, in, the, in the scheme of things. How difficult is it as football continues to grow, as more money continues to come in, as these new tournaments start appearing on the horizon, is it going to be to keep the best players at Watford, at Sheffield United? Uh, is a good footballer predisposed to working hard at the club he's at, or will, will sort of the smaller and inverted drum of club, clubs find it hard, increasingly hard to keep hold of the good players? I think it's getting harder and harder and actually holding on to players is getting more and more difficult um, because of eatable peers um, clubs can come and watch your players and take them off you for less money than ever before if they want to but I still stand by and I'm sure I've said it to you before that the most important ingredient in developing football is this opportunity and there needs to be an opportunity at the end of the journey it's the, it's the killer ingredient and someone can come and take all of your players you'll still have a best one he'll still get an opportunity and he'll go and play in the league and he'll overtake the kids that have gone to the big club at the age of 15 and their talent's been stifled because there's no opportunity they can't even get in the youth team they can't even get in the reserve side because even that's full of foreigners or you see it increasingly now under 11s and under 12 sides with Spanish kids and French kids. The opportunity isn't there. The opportunity is at clubs like Watford and Sheffield United. So I think providing they can survive financially that they will always go and continue to produce young players. So positive then? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's a group of kids out there that are genuine homegrown in the last 16 of the competition, the 16th, top 16 in the country. Of course, and, and as you say, there's three or four running around on touchlines and warming up and whatnot, and getting games here, there, and everywhere. Of course, it is, yeah, absolutely. And that's why we have Nick Compton on four times positivity. <laughs> uh, the Watford's FA Cup youth run ends uh, with a 2 0 loss at home to uh, Liverpool. Uh, it wasn't great. But there's some good stuff from, uh, from the Watford youth team. Yeah, there was. I mean, I think we were very, very aware that there was a... Uh, the, and there they are, they're rightly getting a decent send off there, so fair play to them. Yeah. Um, it was we knew coming into it that there was quite a big gulf in supposed talent between the, between the two clubs. Certainly a gulf in, in the cost of, of assembling the two squads and, and the resources available to the two teams. But every time we've seen um, a Watford side, whether it's in the under-21 um, cup or, or in the FA Cup youth camp, they all they always equip themselves professionally, uh, and they always and they always do seem to do well. And yeah, they, I think Liverpool were, were, were probably quite evidently the better side, and, and they deserve deserve the win. But but yeah, just uh, as always, lots of um, lots of hope.
Yes, um, uh, Salat players. Um, I think uh, George Bryce, who we've heard a little bit about, has gone uh, quite a bit. Who else? Uh, Jakub obviously, he's one that's sort of starting to make a few waves, and he, he, they, Watford were very keen to try and get him in early on, and uh, he wasn't far off um, getting into some decent positions early on, so I think he's one who's definitely uh, we're going to be seeing more of. And uh, I really hope, you know, as Nick said, if, if Watford, the season doesn't go um, up nor down, um, let's say, and we get some games at the end, hope we see a few more of these boys be given the opportunity. Yeah, uh, to uh, to play in the first team. Tom Rosenthal played again tonight, and it'd be great to see him uh, him uh, in and around the first team just for the uh, for the memories it evokes of, uh, yeah. of his dad, uh, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Not Jim, Ronnie, of course. Um, imagine last game of the season, uh, nothing on it, Huddersfield at home. We, we could get on the, to Ross Wilson on Twitter, ex Watford, head of football operations, uh, now at Huddersfield. We're going to put out two youth teams. Just the young players. Yeah. <laughs> Eleven aside. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Oh yeah. no, and we'll have market percentage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to bring the average age back up to thirty-eight. But yeah, it'd be, uh, it's great to see. I mean, we we talk, spoke about we spoke to Nick and we talked about looking over and seeing Murray, um, O'Neill and Hoban warming up as subs, and, and we mustn't forget how important that this production line is to to a club like Watford. And you know, somewhere in the world, you need to generate the next generation of players, and and I think we need to recognise that Watford are still doing a good job there and, uh, and on the evidence we've seen tonight there's, there's some that are going to make it here and it's, it, it, that important production line uh, is still important to Watford it hasn't disappeared under the pot which everyone was worried about yeah no I think they've um, I think they understand the importance of it you'd be, you'd be foolish not to you'd be effectively slaughtering the, the goose that lays the golden egg if you, if you don't you know it's always amazed me when, when I know that there are financial constraints certainly in clubs lower down the league but, but not paying attention to um, the, the youth side of things and youth development is, um, is astonishing and uh, I think hopefully Watford have previously had the balance right and, and I think hopefully that under the Potsdam that will continue to flourish if not more so Hola, soy Manuel Almunia You're listening to From the Rock AM Here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items that define Watford Football Club Oh, it's Watford in 100 objects as Watford fans, we often have to sacrifice many things to see our Golden Boys play. And our object this month represents the ultimate sacrifice. Watching Watford with opposition fans is sometimes a necessity. I've done it a few times myself. Jason, have you ever had to do it? I have. I have, I have a good and a bad memory uh, in particular. I was in the Blackburn end when they stuffed us 6-1 in the League Cup many years ago. I was also in the South End end. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in the South End then, when uh, Peter Kennedy scored a hat-trick, being 3-0, and there's some crazy old bloke standing up out of his seat every five minutes going, when he was swearing, I won't do that on the phone, <laughs> but he was, yeah, help, South End, what are you doing, this lot of... <laughs> and it was just, obviously we were top of the league at the time, and South End weren't doing anything special on that thing, and yeah... Yeah, we were, we were the worst team in the league and, and they should have been stuffing us, apparently. No, I, <laughs> I uh, used to go to Leicester away quite a lot. Because one of my mates, James, his dad, Martin, was from, from Leicester, was a Leicester fan, part-time Watford fan, and we used to always go and always end up um, in the opposition end. And I went to a game, by the way, I didn't remember this off the top of my head, thanks to Stuart Doran, who told me this on Twitter earlier. It was the 1991 season. We were away at Leicester, three players got sent off, two of them were Watford, and it finished nil-nil. Now, the, the moment I remember is Watford, one Watford player got set off first and I got a little I jumped up as an 11 year old boy does thinking about what's really going on my dad sort of pulled me down but then the next time both Watford and Leicester player got sent off at the same time so I could shout as much as I wanted because every single person around me was also shouting at the referee <laughs> Mike I've done, well I've only ever been hit punched at a football match twice <laughs> which for a man with a mouth like mine is, is quite surprising <laughs> once was when we beat Ipswich in the FA Cup and, we, and I can't remember how but ended up in, in, the, in the middle of loads of Ipswich fans and I just started singing Watford songs so I got clumped round the back of the head may I add blindsided but the second time rather more embarrassingly was um, in Northampton away I think it was a cup tie oh, and Darren yeah, Basin yeah, scored yeah, yeah. the winner it was on TV it was when Sticksfields was quite new and I, luckily enough we were in the I was actually in the players lounge for that game and had seats in the director's box when the goal went in I jumped up and cheered and I thought in the director's box it's going to be alright and then then moments later I was clumped around the back of my head not with a fist but with a handbag (laughs) from some old Doris who was sat behind us she must have been um, I don't know she must have been 70 and she smashed me with her handbag and said what are you doing in here (laughs) 
so I, uh, yeah, so that was um, that was that. It was, uh, physical's quite good, Mike, but I don't think it still beats the object this month. Uh, we asked on Twitter for some of your ideas. Michael said he went to Fulham in 1988 10. Uh, he played his part loudly shouting, he's rubbish, when Gibbs came on, uh, and he couldn't join in the pitch invasion, which must have been awful. He slipped into character. I've got one from, from Mike Smart here, which is, which is amazing, and he just starts, oh man, which I think sums it up perfectly. Oh man, Birmingham playoff away leg having to keep quiet after the penalty save and for half an hour until we got to the car. <laughs> Imagine how tense that was. At least the people in the away end had, to, had the chance to explode and, and, and enjoy it. But being in the Birmingham end for that must have been unbearable. Mike, incredible. Andy Lewis says, nil nil away at the Palace. He went with a school friend. Tommy just scored a disallowed goal. He went mental and got a load of abuse. And understandably, a lot of taunts and laughter aimed at him after the goal was ruled out. That's no, unfortunate. No, it's the one who got quite close to our, uh, our ultimate problem was, uh, was for, at Brown Hall it to treat us at Luton. 1988, when they weren't allowed away fans. I went to I went to what Luton away with the junior points. I thought we were the only Watford fans in the entire place. I didn't mind us being there. She had to date a scummer to get a ticket. We scored first, and I celebrated. Bad idea. Loads of abuse. I think she dumped him soon afterwards. She's got everything she needed from him. Yeah. Is that, is that, yeah, he didn't dump her first after <laughs> behaving like that. Luton fans can't dump a Watford fan. Ridiculous. <laughs> Matthew Smith, first season in the Premier, Spurs away in the seats at White Hart Lane stuffed 4-0 perfected his fake celebration he probably had it off to a tee by the time the fourth <laughs> goal went in but yeah, there's quite a lot of people who read in the, me included who in the away end at Tottenham in the FA Cup yeah. I mean scored quite early oh, and, uh, that was great, that uh, there's was. a lot of uh, lot of Hornets standing on their hands I remember I was in the away end of that game I could get a ticket and um, the worst thing was some guy some Tottenham fan who was obviously on his own started talking to me he said oh I don't what do you think about this Tottenham team he's not performing very well at left back in midfield looking a bit strange I'm like yes yes I agree mate yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, terrible, it? clearly, yeah. Yeah. it's not like it was down at the lane I said to him our yeah. object this month is the ultimate sacrifice to Watford fan uh, Nick Dunsbury who sent us his passport to Europe on our last podcast made the ultimate sacrifice his Luton Town membership card Nick told us it was from the years when away fans were banned at Kenilworth Road I applied for membership at the club so I could buy a ticket. However, I was refused due to the Watford address. So I reapplied with my sister's Fletchy address and I was officially a member of Luton Town Purple Club. <laughs> when we scored, I recall half the main stand jumping up and I don't recall any problems at that picture though. He didn't have as bad a time with Mike getting you get hit by a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, which is really surprising. But he is officially... A Luton fan. Yeah, so what do you have to, as a Watford fan, do you have to handle that? So is that is it's presumably it's in a lead box or something? Because <laughs> the Watford supporters, it must be like Kryptonite, it's probably glows green in the corner of the room. Thank you for all your suggestions uh, and your feedback for your stories. Uh, also, keep sending in your suggestions for our object for our list of 100 objects. Uh, still plenty of spaces to go. Uh, email us podcast at fromtherookerend.com. Got something to send the boys? Then email podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. Uh, it's not long before kick-off. Uh, the team is out. Mike, what is the Watford line for today's game against Barnsley? In goal, uh, Manuel Nunez recovered. Uh, and then we've got Lloyd Doyle. Now it's a big game for Lloyd Doyle. This is his 432nd appearance for Watford. And that puts him equal six on Watford's all-time list of appearances. Uh, he's equal six with Arthur Woodward. So congratulations to Lloyd. He seems to be sort of reaching these milestones um, almost every other week, really. Let's hope he scores. Yes. Mark it with, come on, Lloydy. Um, so, Almunia, Doily, Cassetti, Angela. Definitely Angela, isn't it? We'll find it later. Okay. Farioni, Magugan's back. Um, Daniel Tozer, Christian Batotio, Daniel Pudil, Anya and Dini up front. Okay. Now, we've seen the new boys a fair bit now, Jason. As our tactician, uh, well, the more, more astute tactician out of the three of us, anyway. Uh, who is your now ultimate, who would be your starting 11 for Watford? My starting 11 for Watford, obviously, um, I get the benefit of, of not having any injuries in my side, don't I? So, <laughs> so I'm quite lucky on that front. Um, difficult decision to go, I think, start off with, I think I'll stick with Elminia, his experience. Um, unfortunately, I think from both players, we, we, we've seen mistakes this season and last season. Uh, but I'd go with Elminia ahead of Bonds on experience back three I'll go with the, the three that we've got in today okay. uh, so I'd go with uh, Lloyd Doyley uh, Lloyd is as he always has been he's solid he's consistent he doesn't dive in doesn't give away stupid fouls or uh, a sensible defender and that's what yeah. you need um, Angela 
I, I, I think he's a, he's a fantastic player. I think if I voted for player of the season today, I, he would probably be top of my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, that'd be interesting. I, I, hope, I really hope what fans do sort of think a little bit wider than who scored the most goals. There's always a worry when it's goal uh, player of the year. Who scored the most goals doesn't mean the best player. And uh, and Marco Cassetti, who if you'd have asked me probably three or four months ago, wouldn't be in the starting lineup. The last few months, I think he's come on leaps and bounds. There's one player who's come on fantastically under Semino. It's him. He's looking really good at the moment. Even that that award you get at football clubs in the season, most improved player. Most improved player. I I won that for my Sunday League reserve team once. What does that tell you? So you are qualified to, to come up with your team, Jason. Yeah, yeah. But I think Cassetti's definitely benefited from Watford basically not constantly throwing the kitchen sink at the other end and a more structured sort of um, stoic approach and uh, he has left him less exposed perhaps. But I, I agree, he's, we, when he was having to come on in games, we were like, oh my goodness gracious. But if he's proved us all wrong, well done, uh, well done the beers. Midfield is probably the, the, the hardest, not the first position, not that defensive holding position has got to go to Daniel Tozer, who has looked fantastic we said it already it would be great if we can keep hold of him at the end of the season and have him sign him up as, a, as one of our own he, he is looks he is a quality um, we, we've tried a few other players in that position since obviously Ben Chalaba last year had a great season this season we've tried a few and it's not quite worked for any of them uh, until now when, when Toad's coming to the side the, the other two sort of central midfielders I've put Sean Murray in there right. I think Murray's, Murray's going well at the moment um, give it a bit of Watford youth a bit of Watford youth in the side yeah got a bit of Watford youth in there um, I think he's, he's playing well at the moment uh, I think he's finally adapted to, to the style of play that we played yeah. the formation we play I was worried he wasn't the final place in a, in a, in a 3-5-2 but he now seems to be used to playing central midfield in, a, in an attacking role the thing I like about Murray sorry to interrupt is his work rate has been phenomenal whenever he's been on the pitch you know that you're going to get a lot of ground covered and, uh, and hard work from him and, and in a tough season that's always good to see I think he's worked incredibly hard and yeah great to see him in Jason's lineup um, now the other central midfield position yeah. is a no-brainer and you say Elman Abney now <laughs> that is cheating I feel like I'm cheating yeah, 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 we yeah. might not see him play again he's on Everton he's on Everton he would be in there but I do feel a bit more because he's, he's not uh, he's, uh, the club has said he might play again this season but he's saying I don't know Merkel or Tokyo I, I, it's a real hard one um, but, but I think I'd go Merkel at the moment okay. I, go, I, want, I think I, I think that's an expectation thing I think I expect to see more from him and I want to see more from him and I'd put him in the lineup just to see if we can bring with, a, with an injury free top 11 Watford lineup. Is he then free to bring more to, to the game than he would be in a in a lesser line? I don't know. So out wide, Jason. Now, what do I tell you, John, about the championship? <laughs> they're either quick or they're either talented. And you're on the right because he's got the pace. Puder on the left because he's a great deliverer of the ball. I think he's got great talent. Um, there were games earlier in the season where where we didn't look good and we were struggling for outlets, and it. And it they weren't great. We, we didn't look like we were going to score goals. I mean, stupid results against us. Sheffield Wednesday, you know, losing one 0 and all that. I still think in, in those sorts of games, I can't remember which ones Poodle played, which he didn't. But in those sorts of games, Poodle looked like our best outlet because he, he he was getting in the right positions, he was getting in advanced positions still, and delivering great crosses. And I think whenever he gets forward, he looks dangerous, despite the fact that he's not as quick maybe as a as an Anya, and maybe even slightly controversial, Ferroni maybe the more talented football I don't know I think it's hard to say on that one but I, I think yeah Pudil underestimated greater of the ball still a great option going forward Moroni is talented and I think that's one of the going back to this season being frustrating he's got a lot of talent I've spoken about before that Reading game where he links up with um, Fabrini and he just they sparkled um, and it's those sort of players not coming through um, and Pudil who came in last year and he worked hard from the get go and and he's, he's almost like he's bought into it straight away. We spoke to him after the Bournemouth game and he was very, very sort of a bullion about what he, he obviously likes it here. And whether that's, whether that's someone who is, who's thrown themselves into the cause, um, experienced the highs and lows of last year and really feels a part of Watford, as opposed to perhaps someone like Peroni who has been a, who is obviously brilliant, obviously talented, but hasn't shown it anywhere near enough and does he genuinely feel a part of the squad. So I think that's an, an interesting comparison. So finally, Jason, up front. Front two. Yeah, we, we, you, can, you are ignoring you can ignore 
suspensions. Can that, we, we can let's 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 bring Acuna back online. Let's bring Brini <laughs> back from online. Let's have Park fit. Let's have Running fit, and then let's just chuck them all out the door again because the front two are going to be Dini and Forestieri. I think it's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, Dini and Forestieri. Dini, there's been times when he's looked like he's not interested. But again, I think he's been back on his game recently. Yeah. When he looks interesting, he's been fantastic. I think, and Forest Gary makes things happen. The, 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 the number of games where he's either been starting or he's come off the bench, and you can just see the difference in the in the side with him on the ball makes things happen. Supremely talented. Defenders are scared of him. Foul him, trip him up. He wriggles away from them. Whatever happens, he makes things happen to his side up front, uh, and and he's been a, a great. Born in the side of championship defences this season. So, run to that 11 again, Jace. Almunia in goal. Uh, a back three of Cassetti, Doily, Angela. A midfield, your wing backs are Anya and Pudil. Toza in the holding role. Merkel and Murray in central midfield. And Dini and Forestieri up front. What a side. I mean, again, on paper, I'm already excited again. That team should win the league. I'm glad I excite you. Yeah. Well, always, Jace. I think it's a ball thing. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the referee end. So Watford uh, three 0 winners, Jason. A, a good win. Not ugly this time. Well, there's a little bit of ugliness about it. I think. I, I think today we saw the best of Pepe Soninho. The big problem we had was one big striker, so we had to change the tactics. And you can bet Bob Dollar that that's what they've been doing. That's what they've been practicing training for the last few days, knowing that they only had one big striker. And he said, well, we came out of the block really fast, absolutely steaming forward, a couple of really good chances, other than the goals. We've seen it up after a quarter of an hour. That was effectively job done. Bonesy were very poor, let's be honest. Yeah, it was job done after a quarter of an hour, and they, they, we didn't have to break the second half. I thought David Froney had a brilliant game. Uh, good to see. And McGugan back in the side. He had a really good game until the uh, the match sharpness wore off. Uh, uh, yeah, so good performance, especially considering the change in formation that we had to make. From the rookery end. That was Jason's views of the game, but he had to rush off Mike. just went to, to speak to uh, Gabrielle and Jella. Yep. Steve? Um, Steve? Um, uh, it's always, we, we haven't interviewed any of the foreign boys uh, so far. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll have to take it slow. Yeah. But um, we, we always have to take it slow. I mean, most people don't understand us anyway, so we're used to that <laughs> nonsense that we go on about. Last podcast, we, we, we talked about Watford winning ugly. Yeah. It's not been as ugly, has it, recently? Well, as I think it is we, the last few games. I think we've been helped by some ugly opposition teams, to, mm-hmm. be, to be perfect. Frank Blackpool and and Barnsley the last last couple of home games they certainly have been pretty poor it has to be said um, and I'd have been very disappointed had we not beat them but what I did like was well I liked it but it was also a little bit frustrating that what this Watford side sent blood on both occasions and showed what they're capable of they knew that this team was here for the taking against Barnsley same same case in point against against Blackpool got off to good starts and really sort of started to knock the ball around with confidence the the running the movement was was good and and uh, fair enough against Barnsley, they ran out of steam a little bit today, but yeah, they, they, they hasn't been ugly at all, though. They've, they've beaten inferior sides, certainly at home, but you know, looking um, back, at the, um, back at the month, we've let ourselves down, Doncaster away, um, Bolton away, we're just, we're just not getting away wins, uh, and even away points. So. <laughs> That's the thing, it's, sort of, it's, it's stopped over. We, we, we've now won, Mike, six home games on the trot against teams beginning with B. Incredible. But really? If you, if you call Middlesbrough Borough. Okay, we'll call Borough, we'll call Borough, Borough. Um, But my biggest thing is that if you look, and I know, you know that it's not perfect and it's not what we'd all hoped for, we've kept 10 clean sheets in 18 games under Beppe. We've kept or we've bepped. <laughs> we've bepped 10 clean sheets under Beppe. Yeah. And only three under Zola. This season. This season. Yeah. And Zola was 23 games. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that tells its That's own a great story. story. Yeah, yeah. That tells its own story. And uh, Beppe Sanino had a, had a very, very immediate job to do, and that was to stop us conceding goals um, and start getting points on the board. Because we was it five or six in the game, games in a row we lost at home under Gianfranco, and it was the, the wheels had come off massively, and he had to turn that around. So, and he did that initially, and. 
and he's, he's actually turned in an incredible run of the form at home and not only are we winning games but like you said we're, we're not conceding at home which is fabulous you've, you've always got to take that um, especially compared to contrasting to the, the run we've had it's just slightly frustrating that we can't transform that into into a way into a way performance and I think it's I think it's down to a bit of belief in the squad I think they found it difficult this year the proof the proof of that has been on the pitch um, you know they have been new guys come together thrown together in a very very difficult league and I don't think that the, the confidence is there and I think that's why we're, we're struggling a little bit away from home we're not getting the rub of the green as we saw uh, the incredible decision not to give Watford a penalty uh, against Doncaster and albeit uh, in actuality that seemed to galvanise Watford on, on Tuesday and they, mm, yeah. they put in a, a, a pretty decent performance and, and should have really come away with at least a point but you know things are just not quite going right they're not clicking and I think they feel that on their travels and that's manifesting itself in in what has been really certainly over the last over the last month we've had um, we've had Bolton we've had Doncaster we've had Yeovil away since we since we last spoke and they're not they're not great results we've got one point away at Yeovil and but it's, it, I think the hard thing is it's quite hard because we've lost against those lower teams, but when we've lost against, we've won against very bad teams at, at Vicarage Road. I don't actually quite know where we are as a team. Yeah, it's very difficult to gauge because, like I said, today we against Barnsley we looked good and against Blackpool we looked we looked powerful and, and good. But but it, it, you have to add the caveat that that those were poor sides. I think it's also worth saying that when you watch a team like Barnsley and you watch a team like Blackpool who are, who are struggling, it does almost put us into a bit of context that you know we've been very been quite hard on our on our team this year because they haven't reached expectations. So well done, <laughs> well done, mate. Congratulations. Just broke off to talk to speak to Luke O'Neill. There. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Yeah, when when we're watching teams like Barnsley and Blackpool who are very poor, it does put our team in context how much better than them we are. Um, and we've come a long way from from being perennial strugglers. We can never take away that we haven't we haven't hit expectations this year, but. This is this is a decent side with a decent decent squad, decent talent, and when you see teams like Barnsley and Blackpool, you realise, hang on, we're not, we're not, <laughs> we're not that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But well, I think if th- those away games, it's just those are the, run, the away the away games and and that run of home form have cost us because we're still, you know, if there's another if there's another three games in the season. You still might fancy to get in the playoffs, such as the such as the championship. Right, I'm going to give you, Mike, the, l- the last eleven games of okay, the season. Right, win, lose, or draw. That's all I want from you. Okay, Wigan away, draw. Blackburn at home, win. Sheffield Wednesday away, lose. Really? Yep. You think we'll be a slip up? I think so, yeah. Okay. Burnley at home. Burnley at home, I think we will win that one. Yeah. So we're going to lose away at Sheffield Wednesday, beat. Alright. That's right. Okay. Uh, Leeds at home. Leeds at home, draw. <laughs> Millwall away. Millwall away, draw. The pessimist is definitely coming out. Oh, hang on, there's quite a few oh, okay. wins in there. Yeah, I know, but okay. QPR, uh, Ipswich Town at home. Ipswich Town at home will be a win. QPR away, win. <laughs> okay, right. Derby County away, that will be a draw. Charlton away, um, I think we'll slip up there. Two one, it'll be. And I do as well because QPR and Derby will be tough games. And then the third game, yeah, anyway. And then the final uh, game at here at home on the third of May, Huddersfield. Town at home. That sorry, Ross Wilson, if you're listening, <laughs> but this, that will be a crunching home win. Could even be four or five nil. <laughs> okay, so you've heard it here first. I'm from the weekend. You, you can take those to the bank. <laughs> take them to the bank. Don't take them to the bookies. Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel. What do you reckon we should call him? I'm, well, I think I'm going to go with Mr. Angela. Okay. Uh, he's on his way, uh, and uh, yeah, let's have a quick chat with him. When you found out you were coming to play for Watford, what do you know about? Watford in the town before you, you came here. I stay well, I stay very well because it's a good, uh, it's a good place, it's a good uh, country. And my family, my girlfriend stay stay well. Now stay well. At the start, it, because it's a little different from Italy, and now uh, I stay well. You know, you're Italian in England, and we like to go out for Italian food. Are the Italian restaurants here 
Yes. yes, in San Tomas there is one in Italia, Italiana, it's a good restaurant, and uh, Lulivo, Lulivo restaurant, uh, I eat uh, well, and in London uh, there are a lot of uh, restaurants uh, for it. You're a defender, but we've seen you score lots of goals. Yeah. When you were younger, were you always a defender, or did you have a platform? Little, little, I was a striker, but uh, little. All the players started uh, young, uh, striker, <laughs> yeah, but uh, until uh, the young team, before the first team, Italia is the prima I played the midfielder in front of defense, uh, defense in first team in the Empoli Football Club. If Troy was injured, Fernando was injured, all the strikers were injured, <laughs> would you go up front? <laughs> no, I, I, I try, I, I can play, try, no, I don't know. I try, I try to play. Uh, if, uh, if it's possible, help the team. I, I, I can play all day on the, on the pitch. When you are attacking in the other penalty box, sometimes you get fouled quite a lot. Does that make you more careful when you're defending because you know what happens? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you more are you more careful because you know that Yeah, more attention. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah it's normal. Yeah. Yeah, when defender, I want to uh, have more, more attention because the referee whistles the penalty always. But when attack uh, for uh, score, uh, it's better run uh, speed and go with uh, force forever. What would you prefer? To clear the ball off the line to save the win or to score the winning goal? As if, if Troy scores, I prefer to save the, okay. the goal. <laughs> but at Bournemouth game at home, you scored two, yeah. Troy scored two, Three, scored three. But then he got the pen- <laughs> but, then, but then he got the penalty, yeah. Yeah. and you looked a bit down about that. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Have you ever scored a, a hat trick? Never. Close. Uh, so close. I, I hope to to shoot the penalty, but uh, Troy was uh, yeah, more time. No. Yeah. <laughs> so next time, I, I if uh, score another two goal, yeah. it's difficult because uh, one defender is difficult. <laughs> Troy likes to talk about people's clothes, and he loves at people what they're wearing and stuff. Now you're Italian, yeah. big on fashion obviously. What are Troy's clothes like? This, this is difficult. Uh, <laughs> one day he, he dressed a uh, good dress, no? Yeah. Another day, nothing for me. <laughs> but I've just got back from America and I watched ice hockey. Do you like any other any other sports? Yeah, I like uh, basket tennis. Did you follow the rugby today? Because England were playing Italy today in the rugby. Yeah. Do you know about that? Yeah. Do you know that England, Italy lost? Italy lost. Uh, all, all, all Italy. Okay. Uh, better don't speak. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a difficult season for Watford. Can you can you describe how you feel about this season? I think that from the start we are a group of uh, new players, a lot of Italian in in uh, one team that last year was very very well. I think that not uh, very easy play uh, well and all together and the same last year mm. because uh, we are a lot of Italian that didn't play never in this uh, in this uh, champion and now we start to understand to know the champion and uh, the player mm. because it's a champion more uh, physic n- no tactic in Italy is more tactic I think that we stay work uh, well we think now we can do well until uh, the end and then we think uh, for the next season and we continue to work with this coach. Pepe is more more tactical and he also looks quite scary. Is he scary? Uh, his quality is have this personality, you know. But I think this is good for the player and for the team. Every coach has uh, his personality, but uh, for me, for one team, this personality is good. He can uh, take uh, all players, you know. We can do training very well and we continue to, to work uh, with the same mentality, with, uh, with this mentality. And uh, we see. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! Very unprofessional. My phone just went in, in the pocket while we, we were recording. It's actually a text from Nick Cox, who we heard from earlier in the, earlier in the podcast. And he's very excited because number 54 yes. from the Academy, what's it called? I was going to say pipeline, but it's not a pipeline, it's the conveyor belt, isn't it? The yeah. production line. So the 54th Academy graduate, the tennis ball kid himself, <laughs> Luke O'Neill came on today. Um, he's been in and around the squad, as we mentioned before, for a while. He finally came on today. What, yeah. a, what a magical moment for him and, and for the club. And maybe getting him more than just the five minutes he had is, the, is, is, the, is, the, is the, again, my wish for the end of the season. Yeah, a bit more of those, a few more of those. 
yeah. on the pitch would be great. Another po- case in point, when you look at Luke, he's a young lad. Yeah. He, has, he's, he's, he hasn't got loads of experience, but, but that may be a good thing. But it's worth remembering that when these guys take the pitch, they are... They're, well, they're much younger than you and I, John. Loads younger than <laughs> Chase. Like, yeah. um, Actually, he might be half the age of Jason. Yeah, he literally <laughs> could be his son. Um, but yeah, so worth remembering that these, a lot of these are kids and they, they're going out there and trying their best for, for the football club. But above everything else, what a fabulous achievement for the work that's gone before. You know, it's not just today that, that Luke O'Neill became a, a, a fully-fledged professional footballer. There's all that work that goes before it, from, from being a boy, from, to his schoolwork, to showing application, to being nurtured and looked after by, by the guys like Nick before and now the guys have taken on now. So we've just got to hope and pray that this sort of thing carries on and, and Luke was 54. Let's hope that when we're um, still doing these podcasts in two or three, four, five years, we're up to 104 because that, that is a bigger measure of success than, than where we are on the pitch. So fantastic achievement for Watford. Well done to Nicky, we spoke to earlier, and, um, and well done to Luke, Luke yeah. again, of course. Uh, by the way, if he plays the way he played when he came on, he will break his neck. <laughs> Chased everything down, threw himself at things. Yeah. Go on, Luke. It's good. And in fact, I, I think some of the other Watford players went, oh, hang on, we've got to chase his ball down a bit more. And I think a few of them, he, he sort of dragged a few of them up there yeah, to yeah, yeah. those last couple of minutes. A bit of impetus, a mm. bit of uh, fresh legs, but good. Fantastic stuff. So thank you much to uh, Gabriella Angela. Yeah, Angela. Angela. Uh, thank you to, to, thank you to, uh, to Gabby for uh, his time. Uh, also thanks to you for your time and listening. Yeah. We finish here 3-0, six home games on the trot. We're winning. Things are getting better. We'll be back for our final in-season podcast at home against Ipswich Town on Saturday the 19th of April. We can't start off without mentioning we're, we're, we're sat just in front of the rapidly rising mm. structure behind us. So things are looking up on the pitch at home and they're certainly looking up. Um, off the pitch as well with that East End coming along at pace and I think I really welcome I'm sort of I think I've got a bit of uh, was it a compulsive obsessive disorder <laughs> so I'm hugely pleased that the club have decided to extend the, the stand all the way down yeah, yeah. to the because it felt like it was just being done to be done quickly and that therefore it was a bit difficult to dig out that end and so they decided to stop and while obviously I appreciate them getting it done it's, it's fabulous I'm really pleased they're going they're going the full length and uh, that'll be a good aesthetic but it's coming up really quickly and well I think, I th- I think it's laid up because all that ridiculous weather yeah, you can't yeah, get foundations in when you all, all yeah, around I think most people have been been wholly sensible about it and realised yeah. that we've waited this long for it there's, there's, no, there's no rush um, but it all it all builds to like what I was saying at the start of the season I'm ready for next season now mm-hmm. we've got some good we've got some good home form we're starting to show what we can do the stadium's going to be sort of almost finished when we when we kick off next year so loads to be positive about superb stuff um, we're, we're outside the, the tunnel and you can see uh, by where Beppe and the Watford dugout is you can see that there are significant muddy patches yeah. that are not within the box he's, he's not one that he's not he's yeah not but one. he's going to be found out it's he, obvious now there's proof he yeah but he, 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 will not, he will not be restricted by a white line but he's, how, not, he's not a man that respects boundaries but how cool by the way today you saw for the first time properly I suppose because it got a bit hot he took off his jacket yeah look at the waistcoat oh, absolutely sublime and sartorial elegance at its absolute peak from uh, from Sonino there wonderful stuff uh, thanks a lot for listening uh, we're back as I say uh, the, after the Ipswich at home game come on you all come on keep it going